What is up, wrestling fans? It's that time of the week for them boys from 607 Podcast to talk all things pro wrestling and call it right down the middle. That's right, it's time for this week's edition of 607 Podcast presents The Wrestling Show, better known as 607TWS. We are coming to you this week from the ODPH Dungeon, the realest thing in pro wrestling. And of course, I am your host, but I'm also the host of the 3FN Podcast. My name is Rich, and joining me in the co-pilot's chair as he does each and every week, but you better know him as the host of the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour Podcast, better known as the ODPH. I'm talking about Ken M. 607 Podcast fam, what is happening? What is going on? What is good? Let's talk some pro wrestling, shall we? That's right. We're going to talk some pro grappling. We got a big show. We got a big show here today. We got a lot to talk about in the main event. We're going to talk about the WWE Elimination Chamber, but we're also going to talk about what went down on Monday Night Raw Mm. because there was a huge promo. Just literally... Literally, as we were in the studio, because you know we record on Monday nights, recording last week's 607 TWS, and literally when I was giving you the reasons why Cody Rhodes should be the main event of WrestleMania, he went to the ring and promoted his way, and we're going to talk all about that, not just because it's a victory lap, because it's not, but it's literally one of the greatest promos we've, I, I think any of us have ever heard. Mm-hmm. Of course, also, we'll be talking and uh, touching on some more news in the world of WWE. In the mid-card, we're going to hit up that indie roundup. Of course, Game Changer Wrestling slash JCW had their big J-Cup this past weekend awesome event. We're going to break that down and review it. Plus, we are going to preview the upcoming Game Changer Wrestling events for this upcoming weekend, as well as Black Label Pro is back on Fight Plus. We're going to talk about that during the mid-card. But... When we open the show with the opening bow, we will talk some, uh, there's some AEW news flowing around there. There's a little uh, event that happened, uh, a promo, if you will, of their mm-hmm. own. Me and uh, Ken M are going to give oh. our opinions and thoughts on that as yeah. well. Also, though, we are going to talk and preview this upcoming week's New Japan Pro Wrestling's huge San Jose show, where we get to see the in-ring debut of Mercedes Money. All that and more coming right at you here on 607 TWS. But before we can join, before we can talk, sorry, I'm, I'm so excited. I can't even talk, Ken M. Before we can talk about all that awesome wrestling action, we need to get the business out of the way. Ken M, how do the fine folks find yourself and the ODPH podcast? Very simple. Swing on over to ODPHpodcast.com. Join the conversation on the social media accounts. Check out the T Public Store. Check out the Patreon. Check out Parlay Points block section. Always something new coming up there. If it's anything and everything that is the ODPH, you can find it at odphpodcast.com. And always remember to check the classified section where you can find the 3FM podcast. There you go. And if you want to find out more about the 3FM podcast, it's simple. Go to 3FMpodcast.com. All our social media links are there, as well as the Patreon link, patreon.com slash 3FM podcast for as little as $1 a month. You get a ton of extra bonus content and help support the shows and everything we do. Links to 607 TWS. TWS is there. Also, links to our friends of the show, like the ODPH podcast, is there as well. And while you're there, Check out the uh, musical directory, mm-hmm. which features the band Floodlands, who does the theme song to 607 TWS every week. And that, of course, is called Ruin. So check them out. Also, the end of the show, you always hear our good friend Second Suitor with the song One Winged Angel. You can find that also in the musical directory. And by, by, by I infringe on you to check those bands out on YouTube Music, Spotify, or Bandcamp, or wherever you get your music streamed. 
or listen to. And last but certainly not least, got to give a shout out to our main sponsor over here at 607TWS, and that, of course, is Dragon Master Games. They are allowing us to come to you commercial-free each and every week. So for all your Magic the Gathering and gaming needs, you should hit them up mm-hmm. at DragonMasterGames.com. Thank you for all of your support and sponsorship. And, of course, if you would like to find out more sponsors like W Energy Drink, W.GG, use that promo code 3FNPOD to get uh, 10% discount, or our good friends at Sci-Fi Horror Fest, SciFiHorrorFest.com, or, last but not least, if you're in the 607, Rex to Rod's Auto Detailing, all of those are listed on the sponsorship page over at 3FNPodcast.com, your one-stop shop. That is enough of the business. That is enough of the shameless plugging. That's enough of the shilling. Uh, Ken M., I believe you should check that watch, because I believe... <laughs> That's right. Let's jump right into the show. Let's talk about this. Let's get it started. Let's talk about AEW first. Mm-hmm. A couple things came out this week. First is kind of like a more of a, a cautious tale. This is something I just wanted to do personally, and it doesn't necessarily involve AEW directly, but it does involve them indirectly. And I think it goes to the message and the mission statement here at 607 TWS. This past week, once again, uh, if you're not listening, uh, Dax Harwood has a great podcast called FTR with Dax. And uh, on the podcast, he has ruffled a lot of feathers over the week. Some people don't like his opinions. Some people don't like his takes. But that is his life. That is how he sees it. And that he's only telling the stories that as through his eyes and Mm -hmm. how he viewed them. So you can't say he's a liar. Because he's not. This is how he's living his wrestling life. If you disagree with that, that's perfectly fine. He ruffled some feathers because he's friends with CM Punk on the first episode. The Road Dog got ruffled feathers because there was, you know, he mentioned how Road Dog and him don't have a good relationship. You know, there's been feathers ruffled all over the place. This past week, they talked about the match, but the first ever match between them and the Young Bucks, the FTR, sorry, pronouns, pal. Uh, they, they turned around and they talked about that match. And how great it could have been and should have been, how great it was. But there was other things he added into there. And, of course, the big thing coming out was he was kind of judgmental of how Tony Khan booked the match. Now, with that being said, I think people only listened and watched the clips that they got from other media outlets. Mm. I First thing first, I... I implore you to listen to full episodes. Yes. I implore you to listen to people's uh, comments and thoughts in context the way they're said. Because I listen to the show every week. I saw all those, you know, spiffy uh, headlines of Dax is critical of Tony Khan. Dax's relationship is terrible with Khan. And it wasn't that. He did explain that he thought that their relationship took a hit. And he put a lot of the blame on who, Guess who, Ken? Him. Dax. Yeah. He put it on himself. He said at the time... I was too hard-headed. I was too rough-shot to get what we wanted, and I didn't realize that the promoter who's promoting the business, he has his own interests. And at the end of the day, he's our boss. He gets to make those interests. Whether I agree with him or not is irrelevant. Mm -hmm. I should just go out there and do the best job I can for that person. So when everybody got on the fact that he did mention that, yes, they butted heads, yes, that he thought that they had caused a lot of friction during that, yes, that he wouldn't go into details, but yes, there is issues now between them and the Young Bucks, but not back then. If, you know, he mentioned a lot of things. He also mentioned that there's an issue with MJF, but would not comment on it further than saying, let's just say, I think he's a great in-ring talent. I like the gimmick, but as a person, I do not get along with him and I'm not burying anybody. That's just what it is. Hmm. End of story. You know, a lot of new segments came out about his top five people he would like to wrestle this year. I mean, Ishii was on the list, but when you got to tag teams, he mentioned Edge and Christian and people, he was like, and there is a way for that to happen. 
not people thinking into it. I mean, he's just saying that's what he would like to do. That doesn't mean it's going to happen, folks. Right. And of course, his number one was the Usos. Once again, they've wrestled every top tag team over the last few years, whether it be the Young Bucks, whether it be the Briscoe Brothers, whether it be Aussie Open, whether it be, you know, insert name a team they've wrestled. They have not wrestled the Usos since FTR has been in their prime and the Usos are in their prime where they are at now with both of them being super gigantic teams. Right. So there's a reason why. I'm just telling you guys it was very respectful. And if you listen to his shows and actually listen to him, he never disrespects people with his his opinions. The problem is the internet gets it. These clickbait companies get it. And they want you to click. So they just take the salacious shit. Please, I implore you, before you make comments like I saw out there of people saying how he was shitty and they wished harm upon him, they wished he got fired and he never worked again, AEW doesn't need him. Listen, that tribalism isn't needed. And if you're an AEW fan that feels that way, that's fine. But why are you saying that? Why do you feel that way? Listen to the context in which he said. He even said that he has so much respect for the company that he is currently signed to, he would not talk about MJF because he's currently signed there. Yeah. That is their champion. I'm signed here. I will not devolve that dirt. Maybe in the future. Who knows? But not now. So there you go. I don't think he could be any more of a stand-up guy. So I just implore people to listen and take things in context, not just for him in general. But in yeah, in, in everything you take, because like you touched upon, he said it in respectable manner. He did not bury anybody. He gave his opinion. And he, and he could have gone a lot further if he really wanted to get clicks and downloads, but he didn't. He said the, what he felt. And I, I fully agree with you. I think there was a lot of people that just wanted to get some people clicking, in my opinion, and that was the wrong take for him to do. It's like you're getting worked to, to completely take something out of context for some false narrative. I think if you listen to what he said, he said everything perfectly. He did not go out of his way to bash anybody, but he's being very honest, and that's something you want to hear when he's talking. And I think that Dax has done a great job with this podcast. And if people want to have that whole you know, false narrative. That's the only way I can describe it now. The tribalism is the false narrative. It doesn't really exist outside of somebody's own head. You can really not like the people you're working with, so to speak. And obviously there's some issues that he's alluded to, but he didn't want to go into detail. He didn't, it's not necessary and still make the, the match happen and make, you know, wrestling still work. So I think for everybody that was jumping the gun, so to speak, and really just trying to run with something that wasn't there. I think you just really got to pause Read things for what it is. Don't go listening to other people's opinion about it. Make your own. You have a mind. What do we always say? Sheep mentality leads to slaughter. Absolutely, and I can't agree with that more. So please, when you go into context. Now, let's talk about AEW. There was a promo that happened this past week Ugh. on All Elite Wrestling, cut by MJF. And I'm I'm not going to pull any punches here, folks. I have said in recent months, I am a big fan of MJF. Go back, listen. Mm-hmm. However, in recent months, I've really questioned his promo game. I don't know if it's there. Now, I've heard some people think this promo is tremendous and terrific, but I just don't understand it. Now, first of all, I would like to point out the fact that, you know, he gave the person the name of Liv. We know he's friends with Liv Morgan. I doubt that this story is true. I also doubt that it was Liv Morgan mm-hmm. he was talking about. He knows what he's doing. He likes to play the word games and hooked on phonics works for you. So the part that we're going with is, and I'm quoting from his his actual thing. Uh, I uh, This is a promo as he's telling uh, Daniel Bryan, basically, or Bryan Danielson, sorry, Freudian slip there. I, I do apologize. Uh, he's telling him basically how he's a killer. 
Yeah. <laughs> and he then tries to tell the story where he says, and I quote, I'm not ready to do the whole promo, but he says, I looked down, my hands were covered in blood, and I looked at my sweet Liv. Her head had cracked my windshield. She was not moving at all, and I put my finger underneath her nose, and thank God she was breathing. Then off in a distance, police sirens began to roar. I'm the type of guy who who grabbed Liv's lifeless body and switched seats with her. So when the cops showed up, I wasn't the one driving. By the way, why does that story sound so familiar, Ken? Because that paraphrase is a story that was used on, I believe, Celebrity Rehab by former UFC fighter Rico Rodriguez. Yes, you're absolutely correct. Absolutely. And it was distasteful then. Uh-huh. And it's still distasteful now. I don't understand how this proves anything. It proves, like some people are like, well, it proves that he's a bad guy. Well, he's a scumbag. That's what it proves. But he, we already know this about yeah. him. I don't think we have to prove anything else. We're now going to a, a building into a pay-per-view where he's supposed to wrestle one of the best wrestlers to ever do it in an Iron Man match. Yeah. So how does this help that cause? That doesn't move the story. It did nothing. It, it was it was it was a bad taste to even try doing it. I understand he wants to try establishing, you know, he's he, I guess he's still running with the devil gimmick and whatever. No, it's like this was a bad way to try progressing the story along, in my opinion. And I think that he could have done a lot better. And I thought the promo just no place for it. Just didn't make any sense. Well, there was we're not the only people that are like you know whatever, and I'm not mad at it. I'm not like boycotting. I'm not calling for anybody's mm-hmm. header, saying it's distasteful. I'm just saying it doesn't help the storyline at all. I don't understand it, but. We're not the only ones that saw it to be, you know, kind of shitty. Eddie Kingston, who has been very outspoken lately. I don't yeah. know what's going on there. I don't I can't speak on it because I mean I do I, I do know Eddie Kingston. Mm-hmm. I've met him before. I've had conversations, but I don't know I haven't talked to him recently. I don't know what his feelings are, so I can only speculate like anybody else. Sure. Uh, he had wrote he had retweeted the, the the promo with the caption, so how long was that long winded fake bullshit take from MJF? And then went on to say, big Katie Vick energy last night. Phew. He would then go on to tweet, this is the, the bigger one. Side note, since we need to see his world, uh, since we need to see his world champ three times within an hour and a half when it is a two-hour show, fuck Ortiz, fuck House of Black, and fuck the roster. Born alone, die alone, I tried. I don't need anyone including Mox and Penta. Fuck everyone, especially the, in quotation, Pillars. I think he's on DEFCON 5 about burying shit. Yeah, there is definitely some problems going on there. Yeah, and, I, and honestly, like I said, I, I hope he's, he's doing well. Yeah. I, I do not wish anything, but I have to agree with him on the aspect that the promo was just in, in the mount. The biggest thing is going on coming into this week, and I think that the reason we saw so much MJF on the last episode is because it was this past week where Dave Meltzer had made a comment about how people judge Roman Reigns for not being on television, WWE for not having Roman Reigns on television as champion often. But meanwhile, MJF really isn't either. And, you know, apples and oranges, you know, they're apples to apples and some, you know, that's going to have to catch up. And that he basically said that, you know, MJF is not Roman. Mm. He's not on that level. And it was a candid moment, you know, like I say about sometimes, you know, even with Uncle Dave, a broken clock's right twice a day. Sure. And he's not wrong. Roman Reigns is the top draw in wrestling. MJF is is good. I think he's a draw in AEW, but I don't think he's a mega draw yet. He's still young. He can get there. It's not like he's doomed to, to you know never be Roman Reigns. Mm. Roman Reigns, but you get you know the unfair part is to compare a young kid in a title run to possibly the greatest championship run of the last fifty years. Yeah. 
you know, let's be honest, or possibly ever in WWE, depending on how the story continues to go, the layers that we've told with this bloodline story, the layer, you know, over time, even when it was back in the day with Jay and will they or won't they, and now with Sammy. And then we have this whole nother story with Cody, like the levels that they're telling stories with the bloodline and Roman Reigns and the three years of being undefeated and the almost three years of him being universal champion. Like this is some real riveting shit that we've never seen in pro wrestling, especially in the modern era. Mm. So to, you know, compare it, I think it's unfair. I'm not taking a shot at Uncle Dave here because I don't think that was his intent. I think he's just saying that when you have people talking shit about one company for something and not about the other. Now, a long time, he turned his blind eye like a lot of people. We didn't. We called it right down the middle. But I think it's true. Like, he hadn't been on TV. There was weeks where he wasn't on TV, period. Or it was some pre-tape promo segment. Or it was very brief. Or he, for no reason at all, sat in the fucking crowd. Or up in the stands or the private box, I should say. Like, there was a lot of times visible champion. There was a point in juncture where, and listen, we do this and we talk every week. I forgot he was champion. Mm -hmm. Because out of sight, out of mind. Right. You know what I mean? It's not that I forgot that he was champion. I just didn't see the champion. So, oh, you know, whatever. The difference is Roman has that built in. Roman is accrued that, you know, goodwill to go, hey, we still know he's the tribal chief. Yeah, his presence still felt on shows even when he's not there. I mean, and that's something you touch upon, and I and I echo that statement. MJF's still young. He's still not on that level yet of a Roman Reigns, but he's getting there. But I think that that's a situation where, especially with a young company still with AEW, they got to be smarter about doing promos and having him featured in the wrestling angles to really build his character up as champion. Yeah, and my thing is, is we're not here just to talk smack about AEW. Sure, the, right. pro- the problem that is coming up is that we have Revolution coming up in about three weeks. I do believe it's three. Yeah, it'll be three Saturdays away from this upcoming Saturday because there's yeah, there's three or four because it's March fifth. Well, it's a Sunday, technically. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, uh, March 4th, they'd be going head-to-head with John Jones. Oh, so that's why they put it on the 5th. Smart yep. move. By the way, Tony Khan, smart move. We were trying to figure out why it was on a Sunday. Good good, good call. Yeah. Good call, because John Jones' fight is on a Saturday. That's a bit, that's a, that would be a no-go. Yeah. It's a no-fly zone. Uh, smart moves, by the way. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, so it's on March 5th. So it's about three weeks away, give or take, because I think it's uh, three weeks. Mm-hmm. So with that being said, we're in the home stretch. What do we know about this pay-per-view? We know that we're finally, we know because we've recycled that storyline of the trials of whoever just happened to be Brian Danielson this time for the sixth time. We've talked about that before that we are finally going to be set in stone. Brian Danielson versus MJF for the AW world title in an Ironman match. Mm. What other matches do we know right now? None. And my problem is we're building like this. We should be building to that. Like I'm anticipating, anticipating maybe Mox versus Hangman. Maybe. Unless they blow that on television, but I think they're probably going to do that at the pay-per-view. I I would anticipate uh, the Ass Boys versus the Acclaimed for you, reasons. You would, you would have to think, yeah. For reasons. Uh, you know, like, so there's anticipation. I'm assuming the Elite would be defending the, the six-man titles. I don't know against who yet. Maybe the best friends. Maybe Who knows? They But they're not building. To, and I get, get it. There's still three weeks. But I think with you only doing four pay-per-views a year, yeah, the short we should be building work. better. And everybody always says how they do such a great job with long-term booking. My question is, where's the long-term booking here? And I'm only getting worried because I'm looking at three weeks out. I'm looking at spending $50. You mm-hmm. and I, you know, we, we, we pull together, but we buy the pay-per-views. Yep. 
We're looking at spending $50 on a Sunday for possibly a pay-per-view that's going to go 10 fucking hours. Mm -hmm. That is an exaggeration, but lately they've been running four to five hour pay-per-views, which more you know, more hours doesn't mean more money. And you're putting an Iron Man match on. I'm assuming it's an hour. Yeah. They haven't said it was a half hour, so I'm assuming it's an hour. So there's an hour right there. So if you put on another 10 you know, matches, they like to do 13 match cards. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a long show on a Sunday when I have to get up and go to work on a Monday. Yeah. And not just me, other Americans and other people worldwide. So my question to you, Ken, is being being optimistic about this, what what are they doing good and what do they need to do now? Well, what they're doing good is you're really trying to sell the main event in the sense of Danielson and really trying to remind fans of why he's one of the best in the world. I mean, we already know this. But at least he's being featured on TV, so that's that's a, a plus. I will I will give him that. But what they're doing wrong is the short notice way of booking this pay per view is not working, and it never does. Because what is the one thing that we've been talking about for weeks in reference to WWE, the Bloodline story, and where that's going, and how many things that spiraled out? You know why? Because they've been doing such a great job building it up each and every week. When you look at Dynamite. They're really not doing a great job, in my opinion, of building anything up. It's more like a great indie show. So the in-ring work is going to be great. But storyline-wise, like, I'm sorry. I'm confused when I have to try figuring out is Soraya and Tony Storm heels or faces until now they're spray-painting everybody. I don't think that that's helping to move anybody's storyline. Basically, they're going NWO. Yeah, like literally. And then after that... You just decided to do a random tag team title switch out of nowhere. That was odd. Yes. Especially because I don't think anybody cares about the ass boys. No. This is kind of like in the surprise when uh, Jinder Mahal won the world title. Oh, yeah. It was bad. It was the same kind of vibe, in my opinion, because it was just out of nowhere. You didn't really see him get up to that level where they're like a main eventer, and all of a sudden, bam, here we are. I can defend Jinder a little bit, and the reason, at least for him— was the India they were money. going over? Yeah, they were going to India. There were some big television deals, and it equaled a lot of dollars for WWE. That doesn't mean it was right as far as a wrestling move or fan move, but at least there was a financial reason. The Ass Boys is not financial. Right, they're not pushing merch. They're not the the, the fans don't like them. And I'm not just saying that because they're heels. Like I have never met a fan that was like, you know, the Ass Boys are good in the ring. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, I you know I know they're heels and we boo them, but we boo them because we respect. That's not happening. Right. You know, we used to boo the acclaim, but they we respected the acclaim. You know, you used to boo the FTR, but you respect the FTR. You know, and eventually they become faces. Mm-hmm. That's how that works. That's just how the progression of becoming a heel to a face is. The more you do, you're better at your job. The more likely you'll eventually be a face. Right. You know, you have to in in if you're doing a really good job and the crowd's reacting to you as a heel, even like a Chris Jericho where, you know, it does drive me nuts that he allows the crowd to sing his music because there was a time where Jericho would never let that happen. Mm. But at the end of the day, he still reminds you why he's a heel, but you know that the crowd respects him and everything he's done. We have respect for Chris Jericho, Chris Jericho becoming ring of honor champion, not a shocker because Chris Jericho is a name. That's Mm. why he was the first AEW champion. That's why he's a hall of famer. 
even if he never makes it in, he's still a Hall of Fame. He's a great, he's one of the greatest of all time. Right. I will say that about Chris Jericho. However, the ass boys, why, where is that good for business? And somebody could be like, well, a storyline. But what story are, are people really invested with the Billy Gunn acclaimed ass boy storyline? Or is that really a thing? Because I haven't heard that either on the internet. I haven't heard that in person. And we talk to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. We talk to a lot of fans. I just don't get what your end game is here unless they're transitional champions to get the belts to another fan team that's not named the acclaimed but then in that case what the fuck are we doing exactly that's why i say like it's just such a random move that's why i compared it with gender it's like it just from the wrestling standpoint not the business because i do agree with you the the gender sense but like i said at least yeah. there was money involved. yeah there was like, money if involved. the ass boys were your top seller i get it yeah but they're not and nobody like honestly nobody's really clamoring for them to get the belts because they just haven't built themselves up that way. Perfect example. If Orange Cassidy and Dan Housen won the tag titles, I'd go, okay, that's a good business move. Yeah. I, I still would be like, oh, it's the storyline. I mean, at least they're fan favorites. That's cool. But like storyline-wise, I'd be like, it still isn't good. But at least I understand because they're, your, you know, your Dan Housen sellers. was your number one seller and, and Orange Cassidy's in the top five. I can't remember if he was three or four. Yeah. But he, he him and the best friends are in the top five. So therefore, they, I could understand business-wise putting the belt on those two guys. Mm-hmm. The ass boys, I can't. And I'm sorry if you guys, like, if anybody out there wants to respectfully tell me, you know, where what I'm missing, I've always offered that up. And I'm just going to say this. I have never been taken up on, like, anybody explaining this shit to me. Right. Because I don't think you can. The closest I get whenever I talk to an AEW a diehard fan of them explaining anything to me is like, man, it's long-term booking, man. Mm-hmm. No, not everything is long-term no, booking. No, not everything is that structured. Long-term booking is, like, the title run we're seeing Roman Reigns on. Mm-hmm. Long-term booking is this, the f- hashtag finish the story with Cody Rhodes we'll talk about later. Long-term booking was originally the Hangman Page uh, Kenny Omega story. Yeah. That was long-term booking. That's when they did a great job long-term booking. A lot of what they're doing now, it's, it feels like fire the seat of the pants. Yeah. And I mean, I get it going with Danielson, but now Danielson technically has to do the job to MJF in a uh, Ironman match. And the reason being is that you're trying to establish the young kid. That's what I'm assuming, unless they're going to hot shot the belt off him already. Yeah, which, which means, I mean, he had what, one title defense against Ricky Starks? Yep. That was it. So he would have a title defense. He'd held the belt, you know, for a few months because obviously they only do four pay-per-views a year. Mm -hmm. But really, that's not enough time to be a champion, especially when you're using the excuse that he's not on TV because he's a big deal like Roman Reigns. Well, Roman Reigns hasn't lost in three years. (laughs) Yeah, I mean. Roman Reigns has had a belt for almost that long. Yeah, I mean, I think there's been a little cool down of MJF's run since he came back. But at the same time, it's like they should be really focusing on making him look like he's going to hang with Danielson in an Ironman match. And we haven't really seen that. I mean, I know he's been fighting uh, Tasheka. Yeah, Takashita. Or Takashita, I'm sorry. Excuse me. Uh, he's been fighting him, and but that's just recently happened. But is that enough to push you over? No. Here's my thing. People are asking why we hadn't talked about AEW in a while, because there really was nothing going on, in my opinion, to talk about. No. And I now I'm kind of worried. Now you're going to hear us talk more because we're supposed to be building to a pay-per-view. Obviously, lately, they got put on the back burner because WWE had a huge pay-per-view in Royal Rumble. New Japan had, of course, you know, Wrestle, Wrestle Kingdom. Kingdom. Muda retiring. There's all these things going on in wrestling, but their time for a pay-per-view is coming upon us in three weeks. We need to know what's going to happen, and of course, we'll be covering that as we get closer. But right now, I'm really on the fence. This might be one of the first times I say, fuck it, let's not spend the 50 bucks. Yeah. Let's just not cover it, because why do it? Why? There, There's nothing, and like I say, there's nothing 
that is selling me right now. Because as somebody that still watches AEW and still wants to try being a fan, you're not selling me on investing in these in these storylines because there's nothing there. Like I say, I can only name really two right now that are going on, MJF and uh, the Soraya one. Mm-hmm. Other than that, it's literally just everything's thrown together. And that only works so much. But especially if you only are doing four pay-per-views a year, not counting Forbidden Door, you're doing four for your show. You really need to emphasize on getting an audience in there to watch this. And if you're going to continuously grow in all the you know, rumors about, okay, whatever's going to be the future of Ring of Honor on the streaming service and all that jazz, you really want to grow your audience now to really make a, make a big move this upcoming year. Like I say, this is, the, this is your first pay-per-view of the year, and you're going in with literally no momentum. I'm sorry. I'm not seeing as many people tweeting about it. I'm not seeing as many people talk about AEW anymore. I so. agree. Well, we're going to switch gears here, and we are going to talk about something that has been built up well, and that's New Japan Pro Wrestling. Oh, my God. Coming yeah. out of Wrestle Kingdom, they've been on fire. Of course, the battle with Noah. A uh, little side cut. Did you see a little bit of what happened over at the Noah event this past mm-hmm. weekend? Of course, the two major things. Firstly, uh, the champion, the Noah champion, Kaimua, uh, was in the ring. And then all of a sudden, the Rainmaker, Okada, comes in and lays him out with a Rainmaker. You know, he said that he was ignoring him. I think the Rainmaker showed that Kazuchika Okada ignores no man. And uh, we will guaranteed get that match in the near future. Yes. And, of course, the other big notice is... Naito, Tetsuo Naito made an appearance. Muda, well, Mudo, because he was in not the Muda form anymore. That's gone. Of course, we know that coming up on the 22nd, Kenji Mudo will be taking on Tetsuo Naito in his final match of all time. Naito came out and cut a nice little promo. Where uh, only in Naito ways, he could at the same time say how much of a fan and respect he has for Kenji Mudo to turn around and say, but old man, I'm going to basically treat you like old yeller. Yeah. So I'm going to take you out back and I'm put one in your head. That's where we go. And of course, another big news, and it's going to fit into the show. Uh, we we were kind of I don't know where they're going with it, but Switchblade Jay White lost the loser leaves uh, to New Japan match. Yeah. To Hikuleo, we were expecting Hikuleo to lose, maybe go to WWE. I thought Jay White had a contract for another two years. The only thing I can think of is unless he's released from his contract, and we don't know or there is a deal worked out where he's going WWE. I think that, yeah, he's gone from New Japan, but he's going to be a, a part of the push for New Japan in uh, America. Yeah, he could be. And he'll just be the, the face of the organization. NJPW here. Strong, yeah, as they call it. exactly. Well, let's speak about that because NJPW Strong is going to have a strong presence because New Japan Pro Wrestling proper returns to the United States of America with a big uh, event this weekend from the San Jose Civic Center in San Jose, California. It is going to be live on Fight TV starting at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So 7 p.m. Pacific is when the show starts. Uh, The pre-show does start at 9 p.m. Uh, Eastern Standard Time, 6 p.m. Pacific, because there will be some pre-show matches. But they are returning to uh, do a full-on pay-per-view called Battle in the Valley. They have done this event before. They are coming back to do the event, and it's always a great time when New Japan proper comes to the States. But they also do shine a light on NJPW Strong as well, their United States outfit. So let's talk about this stacked card. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you have NJPWWorld.com, I want to point out if you live in the States, this will not be 
up right away. You cannot watch this live on NJPW World. It'll be about a week or two before it's on. The same thing that they do with Japanese events, and we get lucky here in the States and we get to watch them live. A lot of the bigger Japanese events you have to pay for over there. They come on to NJPW World after the fact. That same thing happens here. So if you want to watch it live, your destination is Fight TV if you live outside of Japan. And uh, it's only 20 bucks, so it's worth it. If you it's well it. worth it. But if you want to wait the two weeks, I understand. But we'll be talking about it next week and reviewing it because this card is stacked. Let's talk about the card, shall we? Let's do it. In the uh, On the pre-show, the first kickoff match on the pre-show will be between two men that are in the LA Dojo for NJPW Strong. J.R. Kratos will go one-on-one with Alex Coughlin. That's going to be solid. Both are promising. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kratos has been around for a long time. Big Jack dude. Coughlin's been around for a cup of tea as well they're both making big waves can't wait to see what they do when the spotlight is on them your other kickoff match is going to feature a man who came up through the whole young boy system and is also the son of a legendary fit finley as david finley goes one-on-one with bobby fish Ooh, bobby fish made his debut out there for njbw strong he's not on the main card but he's got a big opportunity to prove that he should be there going against david finley that's gonna be a great match Next up, we kick off the main card with, how else would you kick off a main card? In eight, man, tag team, extravaganza. (laughs) Of course, first off, we have the team of Valador Jr., Kevin Knight, Kushida, and the DKC. And they're going to take on Rocky Romero, Adrian Quest, Mascara Dorado, and last but not least, their hired gun, the walking weapon, Josh Alexander. Coming to New Japan, getting a good match there. The Impact World's Champion. Love it. Love it. Love it. Talk about forbidden doors all over the place down there. Uh, Speaking of a big presence from NJPW Strong, they're going to start it off early and often because in the second match of the evening for the Strong, the NJPW Strong Openweight Championship, your champion, Fred Rosser, goes one-on-one with representing the Bullet Club, Kenta. Oh, damn. Titles on the line, baby. That's going to be epic. Speaking of strong titles on the line, they're not wasting any time for the next title to be on the line because the NJPW Strong Openweight Tag Team Championships will be on the line. Your champions, the Motor City Machine Guns, Alex Shelley and Chris Saban, will defend their titles against former champions, the West Coast Wrecking Crew, Jarrell Nelson and Royce Isaacs. This is going to be a banger. Yeah, absolutely. A banger. If you've never seen uh, those teams, well, I'm, I'm sure everybody's seen the motion. Oh, yeah, guns. yeah. But the- but if you have not seen the West Coast Wrecking Crew, they're, mem- they're members of Team Filthy. You yeah. want to check them out. They're real, real good. Uh, next match and the fourth match of the evening, because I love New Japan. They always put out their whole roster in order. We're going to see the man we just talked about, the Mad King himself, Eddie Kingston. And he's going to go one-on-one with the newly out of New Japan Switchblade Jay White. Yeah, that's an interesting dynamic we're going to see there. What's going on there? We don't know, but we'll find out soon enough. Next up in the fifth match, it'll be a filthy rules match. (laughs) I'm not quite sure what that means, but I'm sure because it involves filthy Tom Lawler, it ain't going to be good for his opponent. However, in this case, filthy Tom Lawler goes one-on-one with... Indie Pro Wrestling Hall of Famer Homicide, the notorious 187. Under filthy rules. Under filthy rules. Yeah. I mean, if anybody can get filthy, it's homicide. Yeah, I was going to say, this is going to be bloody as all hell. 
Yeah, be ready for a fight. Yeah. Sixth match of the night will be for the NJPW World Television Championship. Your champion and the first ever champion, member of TMDK, Zack Sabre Jr., is going to go up against a young up-and-comer from New Japan Strong who's built quite the following, Clark Connors. Okay. This is going to be a great match. That's going to be a really good match. That's a very slept-on match. Mind you, this is a 15-minute time limit. Champion has to lose to if the, if the belt doesn't end in 15 minutes, the champion retains, but he will have to defend the title against the challenger at a later time. If not, you have 15 minutes to beat the champ, or the champ has 15 minutes to put you away. Hmm. Next up is the first of our two main events of the evening, and it will be for the IWGP Women's Championship. Your champion and first ever champion, Kyrie, defends her title against the woman making her in-ring debut for New Japan Pro Wrestling, but made her impact at Wrestle Kingdom, Mercedes Money. Man, this is going to be a great match. Kyrie versus Monet. You got to think Monet, but man, I'm hoping Kyrie pulls off the win. I'm going to say Mercedes is walking out and new, but I think it's going to be a great match. Yeah, it's going to be a great match. And in the main event of the evening, and just announced at the last event for New Japan Pro Wrestling, because they waited until Kazushika Okada successfully defended his title against Shingo Tagagi. However, he's got his work cut out from just as last weekend. He defended that belt successfully in San Jose for the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship. Your champion, the Rainmaker, Kazuchika Okada, goes one-on-one with the ace, Hiroshi Tanahashi. Oh, this is going to be amazing. You know, the Rainmaker started making his name off of the fact that he beat Tanahashi mm-hmm. for his first IWGP title when people thought that he was a nobody. Yeah. Remember, he came back from uh, being in Impact Wrestling and basically playing a Kato character on their show mm-hmm. to coming back and saying that he was a top guy to being laughed out of the room to being putting a match with Tanahashi and pulling the biggest upset to that point in juncture in a long time in New Japan and defeating the ace. He started the career of the Rainmaker. How poetic could it be with the ailing elder statesman who still is the ace in everybody's opinion if Tanahashi can knock off Okada in America? That'd be insane. It's going to be crazy. If you want to check out that action like we will be checking it out, fight.tv this upcoming weekend, $20. Like I said, 10, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 7 p.m. Pacific as far as the main card, 6 p.m. and 9 p.m. respectively for the pre-show, which is free to everybody, by the way, I want to point out. So if you're on the fence, maybe check out that first hour mm-hmm. and then make your decision. But you can do that on fight.tv. That's going to bring us to the end of the opening contest. We're going to take our first break. When we come back, it'll be the mid-card where we hit up that indie roundup, and we're going to talk some game-changer wrestling and some Black Label Pro when we come back.
Oh yeah, Ken. I say it every week, but he's getting groovy with that bass line. That's right, it's time for this week's mid-card of this episode of 607-T-W-S. Yeah. Get him. Yeah. All right. Getting it going, of course. The mid-card is where we like to hit up that Indie Roundup. And the Indie Roundup is brought to you by Fight. Plus, that's right. Go on over to fight.tv, sign up for their subscription service that is $4.99 a month, the best $5 you'll probably spend on pro wrestling every month, I guarantee it. Plus, you have other things like kickboxing and rugby, slap fighting and MMA. But let's be honest, you're listening to a wrestling show, so you're there for mostly the wrestling, and they've got all the hot action. Game Changer Wrestling, Black Label Pro, which we'll talk about tonight. AIW Absolute Intense Wrestling lives there as well, as well as our good friends over at Glory Pro Live, House of Glory, and more is going to be added from what we understand. Of course, also on Fight TV, you can check out great pay-per-views from such great companies like New Japan Pro Wrestling. If you're an international listener, you can watch AEW there for us uh, in the States. Unless we lie and use a VPN, we're stuck with either BR Live or traditional cable. So we are jealous of you. Yes. Also, when you sign up for Fight Plus, every month you get two free fight credits. What that means is that they uh, equal a dollar a piece. So if you save your fight credits up, you can pay for the New Japan thing. That's what I did. I saved my fight credits up, and I paid for the New Japan Pro Wrestling event with my fight credits. So you're watching it for free because you are a fight subscriber. That is right. So Fight Plus. Yeah. Fight Plus, $4.99. Check it out. How ingenious is that deal? That's amazing. Fight.tv. Plus, you get a whole bunch of archive stuff. Oh, yeah. It's, it's around. So, Fight.tv. Check out Fight Plus, and you will not regret it. Let's talk about some action that went down on Fight Plus this past weekend before we move on to talk about what's coming up this upcoming weekend All right. on Fight Plus for you fine folks. Let's start off first with Game Changer Wrestling slash JCW Jersey Championship Wrestling's Jersey J Cup. They were the return of the Jersey J Cup. By the way, this is how big of a deal the Jersey J Cup is. Sports Illustrated covered. Yeah. Sports Illustrated covered Game Changer Wrestling and the Jersey J Cup. Yeah, that's right. You heard it. SI.com had a whole article where actually they showed off the, the JCW championship belt. For the first time. And also that was the article where it was announced that not only was the winner of the J Cup going to win the prestigious J Cup, they were going to become the first in the lineage of Game Changer Wrestling's owned version of JCW's champion. Yeah. So the JCW title on the line. Huge deal. By the way, this tournament took place in one day. Two sessions, one day. They're split in two. One at 2 p.m., one at 5 p.m. Of course, they came from the White Eagle Hall in Jersey City, New Jersey, and they went down this past Saturday, uh, February the 11th. Are you ready? I am definitely ready. So these are all first-round matches. The first card, what we're talking about, is all first-round matches, and then we go into the second card. So going on the first card with first round. In the first round, in the first opening contest, the East Coast ace, our boy Jordan Oliver, defeated Alex Shelley seven minutes, 17 minutes and 55 seconds in a tremendous match to move on to round two. Is it bad I just kept going, this is an opener? Yeah, that's what I was saying. In yeah. Like 17.55, I'm like... Holy shit, this is a tremendous match. Alex Shelley loves working with the young kids. They had a classic. Yes, they did. Next up, we had the six-way scramble match. And in that scramble match, Cole Radrick, the king of wreck shit mountain, defeated Dante Leone, Dylan McKay, Jack Cartwheel, Marcus Mathers, and Yo-Ya in 10 minutes and 57 seconds to move on to round number two. Next up, in a, for another first-round match, Blake Christian. That's right, all heart. Hmm. Hmm. Or maybe he's heartless or maybe he's gutless 
you can decide. Defeated the Price City OG Alec Price in 13 minutes and 36 seconds. Another tremendous match. Solid match. Next, we had a battle of two people who were tag team partners not that long ago as the bad boy Joey Janela defeated star boy Charlie in 16 minutes and 34 seconds. Another long, good match. Mm. A lot of time for these matches. I, I appreciate it. Yeah, I definitely dug it. Next up, the man who has returned to Game Changer Wrestling, Leo Rush, defeated 607TWS's favorite asshole, Tony Deppin, in 13 minutes and 25 seconds. Nice to see Leo Rush back. Great match and great to see him back. Next up was a match that we had our eyes on, and it's because that scumbag Charles Mason was going to get his hands yeah. on Billy Starks. Got it, unfortunately. Charles Mason defeated Billy Starks 14 minutes and 19 seconds. Scumbag. Yeah. We had a Lucha, Lucha, Lucha match next as Commander defeated Arez in 12 minutes and 38 seconds to advance to the second round. And in the main event of the first card and the final first round match, Speedball Mike Bailey defeated Jonathan Gresham in 20 minutes and 59 seconds. Folks, you did not hear that wrong. Speedball Mike Bailey and Jonathan Gresham wrestled for almost 21 minutes in the opening round of this tournament. That's how stacked this lineup was. And what a match. Oh, my God. That's a tremendous match. We have seen it before recently. Yeah, but, but I will see that every day of the week. That's a fight forever. Tremendous. So later on in session two, we came back to crown the first J-Cup winner and more. Are you ready, Ken M? Oh, definitely ready. First up, first second round match. Speedball Mike Bailey defeated Commander in 12 minutes and 33 seconds to advance on. And I'll tell you what, this was one of my matches of the weekend. I agreed. This match blew me away. I was like, holy crap. Uh Continuing that streak alive, our homie, the East Coast Ace Jordan Oliver defeated that scumbag Charles Mason. 14 minutes and 54 seconds. Charles Mason tried as he would to cheat, could not defeat the East Coast Ace. Facts. Next up, in a battle, in a rivalry renewed, in a match that we've seen a ton of times, a match that got both of these men signed to national television. Ladies and gentlemen, the bad boy Joey Janela defeated Leo Rush, 10 minutes and 20 seconds. I think we might have seen the rebirth of the the rivalry between the bad boy and maybe the black heart returning. I love this match. I thought you hit it right in the head. I think this is the rebirth of the feud, and I'm here for that. The heartless, gutless wonder finishes out the second round as Blake Christian defeated Cole Raderick, 11 minutes and 56 seconds. What a scumbag. He's got to come out to new music. Yeah, because now you still want to cheer him with that good music. Yeah, maybe he's got to come out to actually heartless. Maybe, because he is. Yeah. Son of a bitch. Next up, we have the first of the two semifinal matches as the East Coast Ace Jordan Oliver defeated the bad boy Joey Janela. This got 28 minutes and 56 seconds. This was a tremendous match. Another fucking match that would have been a match of the night anywhere in the world. And you got to remember, too, this one stopped because they technically, uh, was it a double pin? Yeah. And then they had to restart the match. Yeah, like how crazy was that? But this match lived up to it. Excellent, excellent performance. Speaking of a match that lived up to it, Speedball Mike Bailey defeated Blake Christian 15 minutes and 30 seconds. I never thought in my life that I would have to report that I saw a double standing Spanish fly. Yeah. Somehow both of them hit an offensive Spanish fly standing. Yeah, you have to see it to believe it. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. Uh, Then we got a little break. In a non-tournament match, we had a four-way tag team match where the SAT, Joel Maximo and Jose Maximo, defeated the teams of Alec Price and Dante Leone. 
the Brat Pack, Billy Starks and Starboy Charlie, and di- and different youth, Jimmy Lloyd and Marcus Mathers in nine minutes and two seconds. A nice little non-tournament match to kind of buy some time to get the two guys that were in the semifinals to the finals. And if I'm not mistaken, SAT and Los Macisos is signed for the showboat? Yes, I do believe it's the showboat. If not, it's the New York return. Yes. So it's coming up very soon, so that's awesome. That's SAT's got themselves match. a title shot out of this. Mm-hmm. Next up in the main event of the evening and in the finals of the Jersey J Cup and, of course, the JCW title on the line to crown a new champion. Of course, the finals between the East Coast ace, Jordan Oliver, and speedball Mike Bailey. This match got 21 minutes and 25 seconds. And at the end of the day, your winner and new JCW champion... And your 2023 Jersey J Cup winner, Big Breakfast, a.k.a. the Clout Cutter, a.k.a. the East Coast Ace, Jordan Oliver, which I called last week. Mm -hmm. Super proud. I am super proud of Jordan Oliver as he is your 2023 Jersey J Cup winner. And more importantly, he is the first JCW champion in the Game Changer Wrestling Era, how did you feel about the win for our homie, Jordan Oliver? Not to mention, how did you feel about the match? I love the match. This was probably my second favorite match of the weekend. And that and that should not be taken as like a, a, a slight by any stretch of imagination because this whole tournament was stacked with, ma- with excellent match on an excellent match. Like, if you haven't seen this whole card, do yourself a favor and go check this out. But getting back to topic... This match was everything I wanted to see and more. I thought that Jordan Oliver, not that we didn't think he was a star already, but this really put him on that road to superstardom. In my eyes, like this is something we've been, you've been touting, I've been touting for quite some time. Like he is on his way, and this match really solidified it. I thought he gave a very emotional promo after winning. And it was cool seeing Nick Gage come out and give him the belt. That was awesome. So congratulations to Jordan Oliver. You deserve it. Cannot wait to see where we go from here. It's about time JCW has a champion. Mm -hmm. He's also having a great champion to start with. And last but not least, awesome Jersey J-Cup. I haven't been able to see Bola yet. It'll probably be a couple months. But, man, I know what happened at Bola. But it's got a lot to live up to because I think the J Cup might be the might be the new it. I think J Cup stole its thunder. To be honest with you, like I, I've seen some footage from that. I'm just, in my opinion, I'm sorry. Jersey Cup did its thing. Well, we don't have to wait long for GCW to be back because GCW is back this upcoming Friday, February 17th, 2023 at uh, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time over on Fight Plus, and uh, they are presenting GCW in VXS presents. Jimmy Lloyd's 25th birthday party. (laughs) And uh, that's going to be coming to you from Las Vegas, Nevada. Here's what's announced so far for that chord. We have the king of wreck ship mountain, Cole Radrick, going one-on-one with Dante Leone. We have the the GCW tag champions are in singles matches. First, Speedball Mike Bailey takes on Miedo Extremo. Ooh, that's going to be a really good match. And then the other half of the GCW Tag Team Champions, Ciclope, goes one-on-one with Matthew fucking Justice. <laughs> it's well, going to be brutal. I was going to say, that's going to get brutal. I don't know if it's a death match yet, but it might roll into one. Here's an entertaining match for a birthday bash. Our good friend, the High Priestess of the Church of Professional Wrestling, the Dark Sheik, goes one-on-one with Santana Jackson. If you've never seen Santana Jackson, oh. Santana Jackson does the Michael Jackson gimmick. 
That's going to be awesome. It's going to be a great match right there. Next up, we have the East Coast, East West Express. Sorry, that would be the JCW champion, the East Coast Ace Jordan Oliver, and the Young Goat Nick Wayne, and they're going to be taking on the Lucha team of Commander and Arez. Oh, that's going to get out of control in a hurry. And the last match announced so far, and I'm assuming this will be the main event of your evening. There will probably be more matches added. But the birthday boy himself, Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy fucking Lloyd, gets to go one-on-one and on your birthday. Isn't it a- appropriate to get the smackings for your birthday? <laughs> Isn't it more appropriate if those smackings come from your daddy? That's right. Jimmy Lloyd goes one-on-one with Effie. And congratulations to Effie. Yeah, Effie uh, just got engaged. So congratulations to Effie and his partner on their engagement. That's awesome, and that's pretty awesome. I I, I can't even say anything else. So happy. Effie's such a great uh, person, period. Not just in wrestling. He's an amazing human being. Plus, he's an entertaining and fucking awesome wrestler. Nothing but the best to him and his partner going in the future. Absolutely. And uh, that's pretty awesome. So, yeah, congratulations is at hand. That's going to be a great match between uh, Effie and Jimmy Lloyd, too. Absolutely. And it's, it's Jimmy's birthday bash. Little little Jimmy's got his birthday bash. Yeah. Well, guess what? That's not done for Game Changer Wrestling because no, they're no, back no. on Saturday, February 18th, and they're coming back to the UCC in Los Angeles, California. This has an 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time start time, 8 p.m. Pacific, and the name of the show is simply Middle of the Night. Mm-mm. And on the East Coast, it is the Middle yeah, of the Night. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> so are you ready to run down what we have announced so far for this card? Hell yeah. We do know Bussy will make an appearance there, so Effie and Alley Catch will be in action. There will be a Lucha six-man tag match. They did not announce all the participants. I do know Gringo Loco's in the match. I do know Commander's in the match. I do know Arez is in the match. But there's a couple of people to be announced. I'm sure that'll get flushed out this week. Also, we have the return to Game Changer Wrestling of the Deathmatch King, Matt Cardona. Ooh. And he's going one-on-one with the young goat, Nick Wayne. That'll be a really good test for Nick. We have a GCW World Tag Team Championship match as... Los Macisos are going to defend their titles against the Bollywood Boys. What? That's right. You heard it here first. (laughs) Next up, we have Blake Christian. You know, all heart or heartless, gutless. Well, you know, he likes to beat people up after the matches, right? Mm -hmm. You know, he likes to be dirty and he doesn't give a fuck about it, right? Well, unfortunately for him, he's finally going to draw a guy. I don't think that he's going to be able to push around even after a match, because he goes one-on-one with Willie Mack. Oh, shit. (laughs) Welcome to Bitch Slap Central. Uh Next on this list, oh, actually, Commander's out of the six-man tag because they just announced, just coming across the wire, Commander's going one-on-one with Leo Rush. Dream match written all over Hell, yeah, that's going to be match of the weekend. And in the main event of the evening for the Game Changer Wrestling World's Heavyweight Championship, your champion, the man, the king, the god of this shit, Nick fucking Gage, defends his title against Speedball Mike Bailey. That's an interesting contrast to Styles right there. Speedball Mike Bailey gets a shot at the king. How are you feeling about that? I mean, well-deserved. I can't be mad about that. I'm just curious. I mean, are we going to have a pizza cutter come out? I don't know, but I, Speedball better be on the lookout. Yeah, I was going to say, this This is going to be a true clash of styles. This is going to be a great match, though, regardless. And, man, I mean, I don't want to go against Nick before uh, spring break. So I'm going to say Nick retains, but I, it'll be interesting to see how. 
Well, you know what else is in action on uh, Saturday, Saturday, Saturday? What's not that? just not just the Elimination Chamber we're talking about later. Not just New Japan. Not just the Late Show coming at you with Game Changer Wrestling in the middle of the night. No, no, no. Black Label Pro returns Ooh. for not one, but two, two shows. So first show at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Saturday, February 18th. Uh, this is coming to you from the Midwest. Uh, they do not have it listed, unfortunately, here on Fight TV. Uh, the show is called Love Stinks. <laughs> okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Love Stinks. Yeah, anyways. Let's uh, move sing on. It, Rich. Let's sing talk, it. Let's talk about the card, shall we? Because that's what you guys want to hear. You don't want to hear me sing. Uh, we got David Young versus Kobe Durst. Okay. Ryan Mooney versus Adam Priest. By the way, I can I need to see more Adam Priest in my life. Yeah. We're going to get to see that. Next up, we got Trick Davis versus La Australia versus Carlos Romo versus Isaiah Moore in a four-way extravaganza. Okay. Dan, the dad is going to get his hands on Trevor Outlaw. Oh, let's go. I can't wait to see Trevor Outlaw get his face punched in. Our homeboy, Kevin Blackwood, representing the Buffalo, New York, maybe. He's going one-on-one with Trisadora. Oh, that'd be a great match. The bad boy, Joey Janela. How is he pulling all this duty off? Remember the night before he'll be in Vegas. Yeah. He's not he's not scheduled to be in Los Angeles, so he's going to be a Black Label Pro. And he's going one-on-one with Nature Boy Paul Lee. Ooh. And for the BLP Midwest Championship, your champion, our big homie, the Rip City Shooter's own, Big Joshua Bishop, is going to go up against another member of the normal AIW uh, locker room. And trainer of the AAW school, the bone collector, Dominic Garini. Ooh, that'll be a hard-hitting match. So that's Love Stinks. That's going down at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, like I said, on Fight Plus. But at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, also on Fight Plus, live, we will get All My Friends Are Enemies. Okay. Here's the the matches we got listed for this so far. The Nature Day, the Natter Day Saints and Alice Crowley versus Matt Nix in Pick and Pop. Hmm. Hog and Dog versus Twist and Flip. Okay. These are tag teams, by the way. If you don't are familiar, get familiar. Yeah, yeah. A man that we do know very well, Crash Jackson, goes one-on-one with Vinny Pacifico. Okay. Eli Ism takes on Aerostar. Ooh, that'll be a good match. Trey Lamar versus Crazy. Okay. The big man, Calvin Tankman, goes one-on-one with the one called Manders. That's a big hoss fight, Oh, baby. that's a hoss fight. The Miracle Generation versus Gary J and Aaron Williams. And last but certainly not least, in a street fight for the BLP Championship, your champion, Space Jesus, Billy Starks, goes one-on-one with Brogan Finley. Ooh, okay. Little main event action yeah. there. Yeah. As we get some black label pro like on your TVs. So check that out. Once again, respectively, 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time and 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. That is all that we got this week for the Indie Roundup. We'll touch base on all of those shows coming up next week. Mm-hmm. Check them out on Fight Plus for $4.99. With that being said, we are going to take our final break. When we come back, it'll be time for the main event of the show. We're going to break down a little bit for Elimination Chamber. But more importantly, we're going to talk about one of the best promos that I have ever heard in my life. And once again, proving why they're making the right decision at WrestleMania. WWE Talk comes up in the main event mm. of this show after this break. Well, I hate you once, I'll give you 
Wrestling fans, are you ready? Uh, let's get ready to rumble! That is right, let's get ready to rumble. Let's get ready for the main event of this week's 607-TWS. And of course, in the main event, we're going to talk some WWE, but I'm going to give a forewarns. Uh, we're going to actually start with talking about the Elimination Chamber. We're not going to go into as much of a deep dive because this week on the ODPH podcast, filling in for a very ill Padawan Jake, get better soon, buddy. Yes. I sat in. So myself and Ken M broke down in its entirety what we think is going to happen. So we're going to kind of paraphrase that for those of you who do not listen to the ODPH. But if you're not listening to what, the ODPH, what are you doing? Seriously. Listen to the ODPH. Find all that information at odphpodcast.com. You see how I cheap plug for you? I appreciate it. So we're not going to go in as depth. We'll give you our picks and stuff. But if you want to get the in-depth stuff, go check out ODPH Podcast. It's a little cheap way to get you to go check out a different podcast. Go figure. But it's something you should be listening to. Mm-hmm. Ken M's right here. Yeah, hi. He's here. Don't insult him. Don't insult him by not listening to this podcast. So, of course, this week, uh, this weekend on Saturday, another card, go figure for February 18th, we have WWE's Elimination Chamber 2023. It's taking place at the Bell Center in Montreal, Quebec, Canada. And, of course, of course, of course, you know what that means. That means Montreal Screwjob is on the table. Yes, it is. <laughs> Trust me, that's what's going to happen in that Sami Zayn-Roman match. Little hint, hint, not judge. But anyways, that's going down 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Peacock. Cock, cock, cock. The, the peacock. peacock. And then, of course, uh, if you want to check out that uh, pre-show, 7.30 p.m. There's no matches on it. Just a little build-up. It gets you caught up to speed if you haven't been listening. Ready to talk about it real quick? Let's do it. First up, we're going to talk about one of the two Elimination Chamber matches. We'll start with the men's one for the WWE United States Championship. Your champion, Austin Theory, defending the title against Seth freaking Rollins. The Mr. Wrestling, Johnny Gargano, Bronson Reed, Damian Priest representing the Judgment Day, and Montez Ford representing the Street Profits. I know on the other show I said I got and still. What's your pick here? Still staying and still. It's going to be a loaded match, or I mean loaded roster on this match, but... I think Austin Theory is going to find some way to pull it off. Absolutely. Next up, we have the females elimination chamber match, and this is for a shot at the WWE Raw's Women's Championship at WrestleMania 39. So you can punch your ticket to WrestleMania. And here's the ladies who could uh, punch their ticket. Carmella, Natalia, Raquel Rodriguez, Nikki Cross, Liv Morgan, and, of course, Asuka. Loaded match here as well. I like Asuka. Coming off the strong return at the Rumble. Listen, here's a tease to go listen to ODPH. I give you a little reason for a couple other people to win the match, but my pick still stays the same. I've got Asuka winning this match. But if you want to hear that other alternative take, once again, ODPHpodcast.com. Next up, we have a match that just got made this past week. Edge and Beth Phoenix versus The Judgment Day, represented by Finn Balor and Rhea Ripley in a mixed tag team extravaganza. Who do you got here? 
Yeah. Uh, Finn is taking the pin here uh, because Rhea is definitely not losing this one. So I definitely see Edge and Beth Phoenix going over. Uh, and I'm also going with Edge and Beth Phoenix for reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, it looks like this match just got added. We have a match that was added. Ooh. And I don't know if we're going to get it. This could be an old bait and switch because I think that they're going to do that in the long run of things. But the match that just was added on Monday Night Raw, because as, as we are recording, Monday Night Raw is on. Bobby Lashley takes on Brock Lesnar. They made it official. They're not going to burn this one at elimination. They're chamber. not. They're basically what's going to happen. They're probably going to brawl fucking into the crowd and back to the back. And this is going to mania, yeah. but it will happen on the card allegedly, or somebody's going to get taken out beforehand. I'm just telling you expect shenanigans here. I I'm that's my pick for this. So this is the only one we didn't break down in the ODPH because it just got made. I am expecting shenanigans. I do not think either man wins this match. I will be very surprised. I'd be shocked. If they have a full match and we have a winner. I think they're going to either brawl to the back or somebody's going to get taken out beforehand. Uh, It's nice that it's on the card, though. But I really feel like you will see the end of this match at WrestleMania. Mm, Agreed. Last but not least is the undisputed WWE Universal Championship match. Your champion, the head of the table, the tribal chief, the big dog. Roman Reigns, with Paul Heyman in his corner, goes one-on-one against the man who was in the bloodline, the man who coined Feeling Usy, but is now on the outs. Ladies and gentlemen, Montreal, Quebec, Canada's own Sami Zayn. Greatest storyline in wrestling current to date. Uh, This one, bring some Kleenexes if you're believing everything off the internet. Sami is not winning this one. No way, shape, or form. This is Roman Reigns all day. The only question is, how is Jey Uso going to cost him the match? I'm not doubting he might sneak in as guest referee because of reasons. Well, it, we talked about, we didn't go into depth on the ODPH about this because I think I just mentioned it because, you know what, for some reason it escaped me, Montreal Screwjob. I think that's why he's the referee. Yeah. Because we're going to get the Montreal Screwjob, Sami Zayn style with Jey Uso turning on him. Uh, so it makes sense. Either way, Jey Uso is turning on him. That's the Screwjob portion of this. Roman Reigns will go on to WrestleMania to fight Cody Rhodes. And Sami Zayn will go on to WrestleMania with Kevin Owens to take on the Usos for the tag titles. Uh, that is my call. It's been our call for a long time mm-hmm. on this show. I think that that's where the all roads lead, pun intended. So I think that's where we're, we're, we're going to get. But you know what? They're telling this story so beautifully, I don't think it matters. Yeah. I said that last week, and I stick by those guns. I think that the stories they're telling right now are fucking beautiful, man. The Bloodline storyline has gone great. We've seen it evolve over the years, whether it was Jey Uso versus Roman in the beginning. We acknowledge era, bringing in Sami Zayn, feeling fucking Usy, to now Sami being on the outs with the bloodline. There's some turmoil in the air. Roman Reigns has got to take care of that problem. But looming in the shadows, looming out there is the fact that the Royal Rumble happened and he knows who awaits him at WrestleMania. The man who is trying to fulfill a legacy. Mm-hmm. The man who is trying to fulfill you know, what was written in the stars many years ago upon his birth because he's the the son of one of the greatest professional wrestlers to ever do it. He's the son of the American dream daddy. And that at the end of the day is how you make a fucking story spur off and do amazing things. And guess what? Like we said last week, you don't have to have either. So we're going to morph right into our conversation here about what I think is one of the most important things, not because it just proved a point, but because of how good that triple H era wrestling has been at moving. And I have to give all the props to WWE and triple H in this mm-hmm. case, because here we go. We have the bloodline. We're going to have this great event in Montreal, Quebec. I fully anticipate we get Sami Zayn still standing strong, even if he loses, because I think Kevin Owens makes his return because we haven't seen him since he got since the whole incident at Royal Rumble. He makes the save. They run off the 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 bloodline. 
so by hook or by crook mm-hmm. and we get that big hug moment and that's going to bring the crowd alive and all will be forgotten that he's not the fucking champion because that's going to be a huge emotional moment and then we get the build to mania a proper build to the usos versus Sami Zayn and kevin owens and at the same time this is going to split the bloodline because now the usos have to focus on the fact that their tag titles are on the line and it's personal. Mm-hmm. And Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens want to take him out. And then you're going to have Solo Sequoia. Well, who's he going to back? Is he going to be there to catch Roman's back? Or is he going to be there to catch the Usos back? He can't be at both places at once, possibly. I think that on the road to WrestleMania, I think Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens take out Solo Sequoia. I think so, too. I think they take him out so he ain't at Mania. He's no longer a factor, folks. And then when they go to Mania for those tag titles, they take out the Usos because guess what? They're going to become tag champs. But now you see where the story's building. So now they're still public enemy number one with the, the, the bloodline because they take out Solo. They take out the other two brothers. But that leaves one thing we haven't seen in a long, long time. Mm-hmm. That leaves the tribal chief all by his lonesome. Well, with the exception of Paul Heyman. Yeah, but... And the Tribal Chiefs by himself, and he's got to go to that ring on Sunday, the second night of WrestleMania, in the last match going on, the main event of the evening. And while he stands in the back, before he comes out to his music and his entrance, while he stands in the back, he has to hear that crowd pop. He has to hear, you know, that downstat, brother. Adrenaline in my soul. Something, something, Cody Rhodes. That's right. He's got to hear that in the crowd reaction. And then he gets to make his way to the ring. And he's got to stand across the ring from a man who returned to World Wrestling Entertainment to fulfill a prophecy. A man who's there to win the title that his father can never own. To a man who is there to prove that he deserves to be a main eventer. That he left as a joke character. He went on and created the American Nightmare and has returned now to main event WrestleMania to win the title his dad never ended, and not only honor his father, but prove in the instance that he is his own man. Mm -hmm. This story is a beautiful story. It transcends wrestling. We've said it before. There's a lot of people outside of WWE are fixed on this story. There's a lot of fans who don't watch WWE that are fixed on this story and will tune in for this story. We see the hashtag finish the story everywhere. There's a lot of people that want Sami Zayn to win, and I understand that. And Sami's a great character. He's a great wrestler, and he deserves a lot of this push, and I'm glad he's getting it. But like I said last week, this is a story bigger than that. Mm -hmm. We've already outlined that. I'm not going to go in the weeds about that. But as we recorded last week, because like I said, right now, we got to announce Brock Lesnar versus Bobby Lashley. I don't think the match is going to happen, but it's on the docket now. It wasn't there earlier when we did this show. You, You saw the lineup earlier, so it changed because obviously it changes with the show. Mm -hmm. Here's the problem, Ken. We got to see last week, and we while we were talking live. We didn't know this because it happened after we were done. While you were driving me home, probably. Well, I was editing and I didn't turn it on quick enough. Cody Rhodes comes to the ring. Paul Heyman comes to the ring and he cuts a promo. And remember, there was a lot of thunder out there. We made the comments about there was people out there saying he should step aside and give his WrestleMania spot to Sami Zayn. Mm-hmm. He, Sami Zayn should win and Cody should just wait. But then this promo happens. And that chatter, it still exists from some. But it's a lot less. Yes. 
And what happens? We had a great promo. I'm not going to read the whole promo. And I can't play it for you because it's nine minutes. Yeah. So I'm going to do some paraphrasing, but I'm sure you've all seen it. If you haven't, even if you're not a WWE fan, go to the YouTube channel and just watch this promo. And it's a beautiful promo on multiple levels from Cody Rhodes. I would argue that there is not many better than Cody Rhodes cutting a promo. Mm, Few. So when he's in the zone, it's few. Basically, we skip over the pleasantries of, you know, you know, Paul Heyman letting us know who he is. Mm-hmm. And Cody kind of picks it up and says, hey, you know, I know who you are. And my brother and my father called you a lot of names. <laughs> I'm not going to share them because I'll say this to you. I have respect for you. And I'm going to tell you why I have respect for you. We're going to go back. The year was 1999. I do believe that was year was 2000. And uh, you called my fa- my father was on hard times. You want to talk about real hard times? My father, we, we were we had maybe a hundred dollars to our entire family's name. My father was doing local car commercials, not for the money, but so they wouldn't repo the car. We were on hard times, and you called the house and you called my dad and you said, "Hey, we got Steve Carino here, and Steve Carino is going to come out and going to say some things. I'd like to bring you in. You could rebuttal, and then we're going to have a little program, if you will. You know, obviously, I'll pay you." And you come in, he goes, you don't understand what that meant. First of all, reminded my father that he was the American dream. And secondly, it paid for things. So, Paul, I want to thank you for what you did for my father and my family. And I will always have respect for you for that. And to that, which is beautiful to think about it, Paul Heyman has to break. He's He's got tears yeah, he in his eyes. He breaks. Because he knows this is real. And he even and the genius that Paul is, he goes, you got me there, kid. You did, and I appreciate that. Honestly, I'm going to say honestly, I appreciate that. He's like, you, you know what? I loved your father. Your father was one of the, is the, in my opinion, the greatest wrestler to ever live. You know that. I love your father, and I love everything he did, and I love working with your father. I love working with your father in WCW. I love working with him ECW. I love working with him here in WWE. And your father was so proud of you. He was so proud of you, Cody. He thought the world of you. You know what else your father was proud of? Your father was proud of NXT. He was proud that the Triple H uh, brought him down and gave him a job, and he got to work with all those kids. And he was so proud of those kids. He was he was proud that he got to work. He was like, think about it. Your dad, your dad, took part in everybody becoming who they are. Your dad took part in making Kevin Owens. Your dad took part in making Sami Zayn. Your dad took part in making Finn Balor. Your dad, and he goes off this long list, Bailey, Sasha, he didn't say Sasha Banks, he said uh, uh, Becky Lynch, Charlotte. He, He listed this whole list. Your dad had a hand in every one of their careers. Your dad made all of them. Your dad was there for Roman Reigns. That's right, he had a part in Roman Reigns' career. But once again, Cody, your dad was so proud of you. You were his pride and joy. He talked about you all the time. He loved nothing more than he loved you. You were his favorite by far. However, your father wished he had a son like Roman Reigns. Because remember, he says, he says he told him that. Yeah. He told me he was proud, but he wished he had a son like Roman Reigns. And drops the mic. Yeah. But that is where great promo becomes epic promo because Cody Rhodes backs Heyman into the corner and Paul Heyman doing the chicken. Please don't hit me. Chicken shit heel. And he goes, don't worry, Paul, I'm not going to hit you, but you know what? I'm just coming out here to win a title. I just want to win a belt and you want to make it personal. Guess what? It's now personal and I'm not going to hit you. I'm not going to take it out on you, but I'm going to take it out on your boy. Roman Reigns. So you can tell your boy, Roman Reigns, that I'm personally coming to take those belts from him. 
And that's the promo. That's it. How amazing was that moment? I had goosebumps at the end of that promo. I, I, I had emotion during it, but at the end when he looks at him, he said, I'm going to make it personal. I'm going to personally take those belts off your boy Roman Reigns. You know, we always sit here and we, and we talk about great promos and like what goes into them. These two are masters at that craft. That every time, and like I say, when Cody's really in the zone, because the only time I think he's ever misfired was the Anthony Nagogo stuff. Oh yeah, I, but I, that, I don't think he, he. I don't think anybody can make that work. Right, right, right. But that's the only. Like I say, he's on point most of the time. Like I said, that's just the only hiccup that I've ever called him on. When he's clicking and he's really conveying what he's trying to sell in a story, few people can come near him. Like we always talk about the original days of AEW and he was selling the story of him and his brother and like why people you talk to certain AEW fans, they say that's the greatest match of all time because Cody sold it. And just with that promo work. And now he's matched up against Paul Heyman, who we've said is the greatest promo master. As far as a manager of all time. Yeah. Yeah. He's the promo master. Like nobody can, can touch him. And now you put them together and you just say, go and look what you have for everybody to talk about what you were mentioning. For everybody that was screaming, oh, Sammy's got to get the title shot of Mania. Sammy's got to be there. Sammy's the guy. Sammy's the guy. In nine minutes, how many people said, you know what? It's Cody's time. Well, not only that, but they said, you know what? Let's play the story through. Yeah. You know what? Maybe Sammy has another time. We Let's let's entertain it. Let's, let's at least give this a chance. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a lot of people who might still want Sammy to be champion, but they went, you know what? But I really want to see Cody take those belts off of Roman at Mania. Mm-hmm. I really want to see it now. I really want to see the ultimate baby face who is trying to finish this beautiful story that once again transcends WWE go up against the unstoppable force. The immovable object, if you will, mm. if you want to go back to those times. The the man who has had an iron fist wrapped around the professional wrestling business, Roman Reigns. And here it is. And then you have two options because it's not a done deal at Mania. Yeah. See, here's the thing that I was always saying with Sammy. With Sammy Zane, the end story is if you, let's say you bump Cody for whatever reason for Sammy. Let's say you go that road. Remember when we were saying, then what? So if you did that road, here's the problem. Sammy has to then win. If you already cave and bend the knee to put him in the main event of WrestleMania, he has to win that match. Mm -hmm. He has to walk out champion. Here's the thing. Cody, it'll be a great pop and moment if he wins, but he's not guaranteed that because WWE could just go, well, we're like 100 days away from WrestleMania of Roman holding those titles for the full three years and becoming number two all time. Mm Mm-hmm. Not just of this generation, number two all time ever. Only person in front of him would be Bruno Sammartino, and they're not going to let him carry it for like six years or whatever yeah. Bruno's run was. So there's no chance that that's going to get broken. But he could be number two all time. So there is still that that allure there that Roman Reigns walks out of mania. Now, I think the smart money is that does not happen. Right. I mean, I think you have to finish the story. I don't know if this story works if it's done in the future. I don't know if you beat. Cody, if you then can come back and do this again, you I can't. don't know no, if no, you, no, you can't. And I really want to, I want to emph- highly emphasize that I don't think that they pull that because I think that Triple H understands where the emotion is. I think Triple H is somebody who came back from injury at WrestleMania 18, and yeah, got outshined by The Rock and Hogan, which was just dumb to not put that as the main event. Not his fault; he was just a wrestler then. Mm-hmm. But the story still, the people still resonated with the story of him coming back and taking those belts. And think about that's on such a smaller scale. 
it, we've seen John Cena do it as well. It's on such a smaller scale. And why I say that's a smaller scale is because there's all this other story. There's the American dream portion of the story. There's the fact that his brother, who is a tremendous wrestler, Dustin Rhodes, one of the greatest wrestlers of all time, he deserves to be a Hall of Famer. Especially, you could put him in twice. Once as Dustin Rhodes, once as Gold Dust. One of the greatest characters of all time born out of him. Whether it was out of frustration or whatever, it still didn't matter. But his brother, as great as his brother was, never WWE champion. As great as his father, which was even better than his brother, never WWE champion. He tasted it, he won it, and then got screwed out of it. Mm. But he never won it. He never officially was listed as that champion. Yeah. Even though, yeah, he kind of got the win over superstar Billy Graham, but he didn't because superstar Billy Graham, you know, cheated. Mm-hmm. There it is. Yeah. So now I can move on and I can accomplish the things that my brother, my Hall of Fame brother and legendary Hall of Fame father never could do. That story is something. Also, I main evented WrestleMania, which neither of them did. I won the Royal Rumble already, which neither of them did. So it creates that other part of the story, which is Cody proving he's his own man. Mm-hmm. Not only am I, my, uh, not only can I pay homage to my brother and my father before me, I can also pave the road that Cody Rhodes, the American nightmare, not the American dream, is in his own class. That not only do I deserve to be remembered as the son of Dusty Rhodes, but I deserve to be in the Hall of Fame one day alongside of my father, not because of my father. Right. And I think that's the other part that transcends WWE, and that's what transcends it for people who don't even watch WWE that are interested in it. And that's the that's why you can't miss that. You can't let him not win. You have to have him win because it's such the great. Remember, at the end of the day, wrestling, keeping it simple. Mm-hmm. It's the good guy versus the bad guy. It's comic books. It's action movies. It's it's everything we've ever known in the story. It's the antagonist versus the protagonist. Yep. And in wrestling, if you do it right, when you do it fucking right, you have this unbeatable heel who is decimating people. Think about great heels in the past. Ric Flair. Woo! The game Triple H. Mm-hmm. Kurt Angle had a run as a heel that was really good. Chris Jericho, tremendous heel run. Think about guys, and I'm not saying they had to hold it for record amounts of time. You just had to hold it long enough that people wanted to see you get your ass kicked. Mm -hmm. Roddy Piper once famously said that more people bought WrestleMania because they wanted to see Hulk Hogan and Mr. T beat up Roddy Piper than actually wanted to see Hogan, and he probably was right. They wanted to see him shut him up. And that's the same thing. More people would tune in when Triple H was champion during the, you know, alleged reign reign of of terror terror. because they wanted to see him lose that belt. And you know what? The reason he didn't lose the belt wasn't favoritism. The reason he didn't lose the belt is because you've built the heat until the point. You built the heat because you have to wait till the right time. If you wait too long, then the crowd is turned against you and it's go away heat. Mm -hmm. But if you wait till the right time, that crowd is going to give you that fucking what you've never gotten. Mm -hmm. This emotional pop. Even if they wanted to see somebody else's champion. They're going to, they can't help it because they're engrossed in that story and they're going to give you that pop, that once in a lifetime pop. Kofi Mania kind of pop. Mm-hmm. It's true. It just, it, when wrestling works perfect, it is, and this is the perfect situation because without even without knowing Cody was coming back, I mean, we set it up now, you know, in the past year, but before then, you have this perfect situation of who is going to take the belt off of this amazing heel character. Roman is at this level that even now, 
almost three years in as champion. There's still nobody really calling. I mean, occasionally you hear some people grumble about, well, he's not on TV enough. You know, they should split the belts up. And I understand that argument. I really do. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, most people don't care. Most people are just looking at, like, wow, we're a part of this historic run by a guy that we used to fucking want to die. Yeah. Remember when the crowd, the night after he beat The Undertaker, hijacked Raw? Mm-hmm. Not because they were giving him the heat he earned. No, he was a baby face at that point yep. juncture. And they took the show over and wouldn't let him speak for 10 minutes. And to his credit, I give him credit. He tried to go heel and the company didn't let him because that's the night where he said, it's my yard now, bitch, and mm. walked out. Hey, give him credit, all the credit in the world. That's the right thing to do. Yeah, he read the room. But they didn't let him turn there. Thankfully, and and <laughs> I shouldn't say thankfully, so excuse that thing. But because the pandemic was a thing, the one good thing from the pandemic was they allowed Roman to go heel. Mm-hmm. I don't think without the pandemic, Roman goes heel. I'm going to be quite honest with you. No, he doesn't. I don't think they take the – he was selling too much merch. Yeah. But there, all of a sudden, you're not selling tickets because you don't have live events. So I think that's what allowed the WWE, especially the people in charge at the time, to go, hey, Roman's going to go heel. And I don't even know if then they realized what they had. No, I don't think they did. I think they just threw it together to see him and Heyman and see what would happen, and it's been magic. Six months later, you're like, oh, we're on to something. A year later, oh, we're on to something. A year and a half later, oh, shit, we're really on to something. Mm-hmm. Two years later, oh, my God, we're a part of this incredible thing that we don't know how to stop. Yeah. And then Cody Rhodes lands in your lap. And I guarantee Vince and company didn't think about, oh, you know, next year, you know, he's going to debut at Mania 38. But Mania 39, he's going to headline against our biggest star for the title. I don't think that they even thought. I mean, it might have been an issue. might have been in the back of their head. But maybe it'll work out. But I think when he got that pop in fucking Texas, Mm -hmm. I think they instantly went, maybe this is the guy. And then when he came out and had that gutsy performance, like I said, once again, I hate using the word. You know, good in the sense, mm-hmm. but the injury. Yeah. That injury did more than what they could have done building in storyline because everybody at home sat there legitimately concerned for the health of Cody Rhodes in that match. And he told a beautiful story and they wrestled such a beautiful match. And thank God he was in there with Seth Rollins, who, yeah, used to be known as a guy who took too many risks, but now is one of the safer guys to work. Because thank God, because God knows that that could have ended poorly. Although, as he pointed out, the only reason he wrestled is because it couldn't have gotten worse. I mean, he could have done something to something else. Yeah, he couldn't have got the injury itself couldn't have gotten any worse. Mm. That was the whole purpose. But because of that time off, the crowd went, man, we love that fucking baby face. And WWE instantly switched. Remember? Well, after the reaction at WrestleMania, all of a sudden, SmackDown poster, Roman Reigns. Raw poster, Cody, Cody Rhodes. Rhodes. And instantly, that was the one mistake. And if, if you want to talk, when you talk about Tony Khan and company, if you want to talk about the mistake that Tony Khan made, the one mistake he made so far, it wasn't hiring CM Punk. It wasn't just sitting there like a deer in the headlights as CM Punk imploded your fucking company. No, the mistake he left was leaving Cody, letting Cody Rhodes go and not thinking he was a main eventer. You cannot convince me that that wasn't part of it. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it was. And I have to be, I would, I would love for him to be honest once. I don't think he will, and and, I, and I'm not saying this is a disgruntled to, to TK because I don't think it behooves him at this point in juncture to admit this, but I would love to get him honestly to say what his thoughts were when he watched WrestleMania. Remember, weirdly enough, usually he tweeted during WWE events. He tweeted up until that match mm-hmm. and then nothing else. Yeah. Do you think in that moment when he heard that crowd in Dallas, Texas, come or Arlington technically, sorry, come unglued? 
No, yeah, it's, it's like your sounder. At that moment, he knew he fucked up. It's true, mm-hmm. and I think that, and that's not a shot really at Tony. I think if when you go back, what set AEW back, and yeah, Punk was a thing, and whatever happened in real life with MJF is a thing, because now you know between Eddie Kingston and Dax and a bunch of other people who aren't really saying what happened, they're like, well, he's a scumbag human being. That kind of got weird, right? Yeah, all has to do with whatever happened there. And then you have the punk situation. Those didn't help business, and I think that's why business dropped for AEW a little bit. Cody Rhodes even finally mentioned it, saying that he was bummed out. Mm-hmm. Took the high road, as he always did, but bummed out that they built this company on certain things, and all of a sudden, those aren't the things that we're seeing here. Mm-hmm. And he's bummed out, and he hopes them well, and he hopes that they steer it because it's real cool to be a champion, and it's real cool to win the Royal Rumble, but it's also really cool to be a part of starting a company yeah. that's successful, and he hopes, and it also employs a lot of people, and he doesn't want to see good people lose their jobs. How great of a guy is fucking Cody Rhodes? Let's just throw that one out there. Knows how to say the right things. Mm-hmm. So when you look at all these stories... This is why what we're going to get at WrestleMania is so special. And that's why for me and for people like myself and you and Walt and a bunch of other you out there listening, I guarantee it's going to be that moment where you sit there and I wish it was next year because I'll be there live next year because it's in Philly, baby. But I wish I was there because even at home, I'm going to sit there and have this moment where it's like, it sinks not in. even not even the fact that he wins, win, lose, or draw. Just that moment where they both come to the ring, and that moment where they're standing face to face in the middle of the ring at WrestleMania. And you're gonna, you're, I, I promise you this much. No matter what, the reason why this is an important moment, and I, even the people who might disagree with me, you're gonna see this. When they stay face to face, it's going to remind you of the time you saw The Rock stand face to face with, with Steve Hogan. Austin. Well, or no, Steve Austin. Oh, well, Austin. you could say Hogan. Yeah. Well, I was going to go Austin, but you could also go Rock versus Hogan. And of course, it's really going to rival the time in your brain, the time we saw in the first ever real big face off in the history of WWF, WWE slash WWE, Hogan and Andre. Yeah. Where you're going to look, and even though not one of them is not Andre the Giant. Sure, sure. But, but Roman Reigns is. I know that sounds weird how to say that, but Roman Reigns, his what he has done is put him on that level of being that much of a giant, mm-hmm. of being that draw. How do you beat Roman Reigns? Just like go back to WrestleMania three. How do you beat Andre the Giant? Yeah. How does Hulk Hogan, even if he's the strongest man, even if Hulkamania is the strongest force in wrestling, how does he conquer the unbeatable giant? Because remember, Andre had been undefeated for like right. 15 years. Something crazy like that. Yeah, it was a ridiculous amount of time. Roman's been undefeated by the time he rolls into Rania for well over three years. Nobody has pinned or made that man submit. Nobody. He hasn't lost. Yeah. And you have to go up against that. Not to mention you have the emotions. It's a beautiful story. Folks. I'm going to get worked up, and I think that you guys are getting the point. But I really feel like they that promo has proven why it's the best for business thing to happen. Sami Zayn hopefully will get a shot from Cody or somebody else. you know. But you know what? Listen, the title is not always the end-all, be-all. Sami's doing great work out there. Yeah. And that's what's really important, really, in my opinion. Do you want to say anything to close this out? No, just uh, the only thing I can say is if you're not invested in the Cody portion of this storyline – Watch that promo and tell me legitimately if that doesn't sell you why. Because if you're a true wrestling fan, you're going to connect to that. If you're somebody that hasn't watched in a long time, you're going to watch these two go at it for nine minutes on the microphone and be like, I got it. And this is going to just push more momentum into um, sorry, Elimination Chamber this weekend and just the buzz coming out of that main event. And I know it's Sammy. But still, that main event is going to generate so much buzz. 
this might be the biggest WrestleMania on record just based off storyline alone. I will also say this. Do not be surprised if to run in to help Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, you don't get Cody Rhodes. Mm-hmm. And the reason I say that is because that is the hero move. Yeah. And you know what? You got beat. You know, the two of you are going to have your moment, you know, or have their moment. And then the ball line thinks are going to take advantage of it. Nah, we're going to even the odds. They could do something like that, which would also build goodwill towards Cody Rhodes for saving the day. Mm-hmm. They might not do it because you don't need to do it, but it would work. No, I think they're going to do it. Well, Regardless, Elimination Chamber should be pretty awesome this weekend, in my opinion. Uh, lately, WWE has been doing banger after banger after banger. Shout out to the homie, Sheamus. Mm-hmm. So with that, 607TWS has also been doing banger after, after banger, banger after, after banger. banger. And after we just banger. finished another banger right now. That Facts. You've heard. Facts. And guess what? We'll be back next week with another banger where we review... WWE Elimination Chamber. We review New Japan Pro Wrestling as they have a huge event in San Jose. Cannot wait to see that women's title match between Mercedes Money and Kyrie. That's going to be phenomenal. We're going to talk more about Game Changer Wrestling and what they got coming up. And we're going to hit you off with any news and everything else that we talk about here on 607 TWS. And you know we're going to do it by calling it right down the middle. Before we leave, though, Ken M, one last time, how do they find the ODPH podcast? Short and sweet, odphpodcast.com. And as far as I go, 3fnpodcast.com. We'll uh, await you listening next week. And uh, if you're not listening to the ODPH podcast, go and get our little more in-depth elimination chamber there. And if you're listening to the ODPH podcast and it's the first time dipping over here, continue to come back because we're going to give you Absolutely. all that wrestling. We're giving you that extra wrestling talk like we promised you on the ODPH podcast because that's what we do. That's the whole reason we have a show that usually goes somewhere between an hour and 15 and an hour and 45 talking nothing but wrestling. So if you want more hot wrestling content, come Boom. right here to 607 TWS and the ODPH podcast respectively. With that, enjoy listening to some second suitor here at the end of the show because for myself and Ken M... Take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and most importantly, later, wrestling fans! If you take my hand, we could order Chinese food, get high and then New Japan Rainmaker, my heart so damn hard I can no longer stand in this room I'm starting to swoon The walls made of neon But I can't stop looking at you Looking at you To shatter the hourglass emptying all of the sand This moment is infinite dancing along with the band Will you sing with only one wing The angel I've looked for and she can't stop looking
Top ropes, one, two. 